Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? It's talking about. time for Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Dan, yeah. welcome. Grab a seat, buddy. Just yeah. sit anywhere. Get, <laughs> get your headphones you on. Yeah, there you go, Dan. You can't hear yet. We're, do you, do you wanna, evidently, we're still getting used to this 9 o'clock hour. We're, Take two. <laughs> Uh, hey, that's the fun thing about live radio, man. You got to get in and, and sit down. Hey, guys, I want to thank you all for sticking around after the uh, Motor Mouth show. Um, what a great show. Honestly. It's a good show. Yeah, I love the Motor Mouse. You know, everybody pretty much has a car. And everybody's got a question well, about a car, you know? Everybody who's anybody, right? Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good show, you know? Yeah, no, I, it's a you great know what? Show for you guys to come in after. I watched a, I watched a, it was like a Dateline thing about cars and um, just the, there's a lot of mechanics out there that, that uh, aren't going to always do right by you, but you know, those guys are. That's one of the benefits of having longevity in a community like this. Um, it's just, and it's nice that there's a resource where you could call in and ask your crazy car questions, get help, get advice mm -hmm. and, and not have me pay that hundred bucks for the, yeah. well, let me, let me look at it and tell you what's wrong. Yeah. And yeah. if they don't know how to do it, they can like refer you like you guys can. Sure. To somebody that knows how I, I like the local. somebody I, local, by the way, I like also <laughs> the, you know, like just that, that last call this morning was, Hey, get in there, yeah. take a look at it. If you could figure it out, Save yourself the trip, and if you get in there and look at it and can't figure it out, bring it in, and, and we'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the trying to make money right out of the gate thing, which no. I, I appreciate that. No. Um, kind of sharing the expertise, right, Dan? Yeah, I thought it was cool that they'd check out your car before you go on a long trip. No charge. It's smart. Yeah. <laughs> How many times you uh, leave with low radiator fluid or uh, a low tire or just something that... Mm -hmm. could have saved your your bacon the whole way through or yeah. just saved you a little bit of fuel efficiency true right yeah, tire exactly. pressure exactly. how about just peace of mind there you go yeah so uh and i was thinking about that in that vein uh is there such thing as a, a do-it-yourself mortgage mm, i think there's some companies that claim that but not really i kind of feel like that's what quicken is <laughs> you know like those companies that have um and obviously, there are some quality people that work at Quicken, but I hear stories about people that call and get somebody that really doesn't know a whole lot more about what's going on than they do. And uh, I would say that's probably the equivalent of the do-it-yourself mortgage. Yeah. Whenever I work on my car myself, I usually break something trying to fix what it is I set out to fix. <laughs> And then it costs you a lot more because you got to fix that. Well, yeah. Piece. And the thing that I break yeah. is often, um, yeah, a bigger deal than the thing that I set out to fix. Yeah. I started with a little drip and now I have a, you know, a <laughs> missing tire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, so uh, what's happening, Dan? Just getting settled in here. 
Yeah. <laughs> a little settled it. Yeah, just can't get some traffic on the one? There was what? some traffic this morning, yeah, so I, I was usually a little running late. It's usually Dan is sitting out there getting all prepared, and then Jason's running in the last second here. Yeah, I, I got to admit, um, I I was here a little bit early today. I'm prepared because I, I I'm camping today, so I I camped oh, last cool. night. I came over here this morning, and then I'm going back camping. Where are you guys going camping? Oh, just down in Pismo. Oh, yeah. fun. So I'm I'm ready, man. I'm I'm dialed in. I I had all my stuff prepared. I was here with time to burn. I got to um, sign some uh, some after show errands, so. That oh. kind of threw me off my the normal honey routine. The honeydew list yeah. and getting your items prepared for that, I see. Yeah. So we have uh, kind of one of the standard guest type of formats today. we got an hour to spend this first hour. We're going to catch up on some things. Kind of a big week, I'd say. Some a nice economic data we learned about. So we'll bring you guys up to speed on what's going on with that. And then in the second hour, we're going to be joined by John Fowler uh, from People's Self-Help Housing. Have we had people self-help on before? I was wondering that myself. I don't think so. Okay. I don't... And John's name looks awfully familiar, too, though. So we'll, we'll sort that out. And then also we're going to be joined by Cheryl Flores, who's the vice president of home ownership. So we're going to have some more housing talk after that, find out what's going on. I think you've had Habitat for Humanity. We've had Habitat, had a, habitat couple times. a couple times. It's been a long. I mean, we have we've had a variety of guests on the show, and it's kind of hard to keep them all straight. So we'll we'll figure it out. And if not, if it wasn't actually so people self help that we had on, you know, we had on was people that were talking about people self help because they work a lot with them. And if nothing else, that could be just the familiarity there, right? Um, I I mentioned this to you yesterday uh, when our phones cut out. weren't we in the middle of? Uh, it was you I was talking to, I'm sure. I started to say I signed up for some bizarro news feed thing on my Facebook account claiming that the stock market is well overvalued and headed likely to the six to 7,000 point range. No, that's ridiculous. I'm telling you, I've been reading it. And it's not just a single headline. It may be overvalued, but six seven thousand isn't that after the mortgage meltdown where when people stocks lost landed? confidence in all banks it was the equivalent of black friday right really I mean, wasn't it i mean people were pulling out of their money remember those stories about how like indymac bank when they were tanking there was just lines at all their branches just lines and lines and lines of people trying to get their money yeah that was when everyone was was watching the ticker to see how much countrywide stock angelo mazillo was was selling at a time yeah that was the then owner of Countrywide. You know what? Angelo's back in the headlines today. Did Is you see he? No, this? No, no. I've been reading near and dear to my heart. Old as Leatherface a... is back? Yeah. Uh, near and dear to my heart as a former Countrywide employee. Um, what just happened was the statute of limitations passed for all criminal charges um, in regards to that. I think SEC did a lot of investigating but could never actually bring formal charges against him. Um, and through the company, obviously uh, defunct and purchased by Bank of America and legacy issues that seem to continue on today. But now um, it's possible that uh, Angelo is he's actually they've brought several civil actions against him. Huh. So the criminal period's passed and now it's on the civil. So couldn't couldn't pin him down to figure out how to do jail time. But now the talk is how many hundreds of millions are they going to be able to get out of his personal assets? There's no doubt he had a lot. 
And for somebody that ran a company that lost the pensions of like 100,000 employees, um, systematically withdrawing right before that period of time, could have been fantastically coincidental timing. Uh, could also have been that he knew what was coming and saved his own bacon at the expense of everyone else. Hundreds of millions. I thought you'd use the B word. I guess I don't I, know. I'm just I'm... used to seeing Bank of America lawsuits. I think it probably was <laughs> billions. But what I'm thinking is that he probably has spent quite a bit of it, I would think. Um, I mean, has do you think anybody's employed Angelo in the last seven years? No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's going to no put out a book or something for yeah. retirement. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, so that's an interesting one. Um, let's see here. Of course, the news um, this week still feels like uh, everything going on overseas is just freaky. A um, lot of economies. I Yesterday I read um, a piece that said there are two guys – uh, with a bear about to chase him, and the one guy looks at the other and says, "Let's run." Says, "There's no way you could outrun that bear." And that guy <laughs> says, "I don't have to. I just have to outrun you." Um, that's kind of what they're equating the U.S. economy to right now, in in terms of what's going on around the rest of the world. Well, I don't think that's much of a race. No, <laughs> um, France and Switzerland, their GDP is flat. Economies are stagnant there. China is questionable. All eyes watching China to see what's going on there. Germany actually had a negative GDP. Their economy shrank by 0.2% last quarter. Isn't that kind of familiar? Didn't we do that in the first quarter? <laughs> yeah. Um, Italy and Brazil are in a recession. And then, of course, Russia, Ukraine, um, the conflicts that are going on over there are, are dampening things even further. Uh, and all the while, it means that, um, hey, look at the... Look at the little old U.S. over here just kind of chugging away. Nobody's arguing that things are going gangbusters, but things are just good enough that in light of what's going around the rest of the world, we continue to be a good place to park money and invest in both the stock and bond market. Um, and, and truly, we're seeing the benefits of that on uh, on both fronts. Yeah, and... and <clears throat> Excuse me. Specifically with this, with the bond market, I heard a lot of talk this week that even at <clears throat> the the extremely low yields that we're seeing across all the bonds, they're still so much better than any you know European bond you could buy. Um, they're they're cutting rates in Europe. They're they're doing what we were doing five years ago in Europe. So there's a lot of talk right now that. As we're winding down tapering, as our economy continues to slowly improve, that rates should be poised to move higher. But because of all this turmoil overseas, rates where they're at are still pretty darn good bets compared to anything else that you could put your money into. I'll take it. So there's a lot of talk that rates here in the U.S. aren't likely to go up any higher, at least in the short term, the next three months or so. Beyond that, it's a little tough to say, but... That's big news, I think, because I, at the beginning of this year, you and I made some predictions. People a lot smarter than us who, who get airtime on national media made a lot of predictions. And I think all of us were believing rates were going to move about a percent, percent and a half higher by the end of the year. How can they not, right? And as of right now, they're about a half a percent lower Correct. than when we started the year and not likely to change by year end. Yeah. Um... That's pretty shocking. 
You know what we did wrong? They say like <laughs> they say if you're gonna make a prediction, um, say how much, but don't say when, or say when, but don't say how much. <laughs> and everybody, including you and I, I think because it was the new year, we were trying to say something definitive uh, about what might happen <clears throat> this year. We made statement about when and how much. So. I don't think we're moving markets, though. No, we're so definitely not. We can not. say pretty much. Reality <laughs> of it is, is that um, these interest rates are bizarrely low. And I want to tell you that, um, and this is kind of a decent segue into talking about these employment numbers. Uh, a week ago, I would have, I would have argued that maybe rates, maybe rates do have a little upward pressure. Um, and and. Absent of the labor report, I'd have to say that everything going on abroad, all these companies beginning um, cutting interest rates or further cutting interest rates, in some cases to negative interest rates, um, these things are are going also to hold down the the interest rates of the U.S. Um, just because there's it's a choice in the investment vehicle. Do you want to get you know a couple percent of super safe, or do you want to go over into the shrinking, contracting life support economy of another country where um, they're continuing to cut yields? So it's one of those things where it is just going to keep downward pressure on us because there isn't that total global strength. Um, but uh, what I was going to say is a month ago, we had six months in a, in a row of more than 200,000 jobs a month being created. Um, I think the average is like 220,000. Um, those are, that's pretty respectable, especially given where we came from. Uh, and then this week we learned that non-farm payrolls, which were expected in their standard range lately of plus 209,000, that's about right where they've been. Um, came in at only 142,000 jobs. So everybody's scrambling to figure out why. What is it? Um, where's the frozen weather? Where's the, um, you know, all these conditions or whatever that have caused this? And I don't know that I've heard a particularly good explanation for it yet. Um, just kind of looks like uh, maybe there was a little bit of a grind and we didn't get as much done as an economy as we thought. And kind of interestingly enough, right before this stuff came out, um, GDP was revised upward again. Um, I know I, I may have mentioned this last week, but it's such good news. I'm going to go ahead and share it again this week. The second look at quarter two GDP showed plus 4.2%. Revised upward from the first look of four. Uh, oftentimes lately, we're sort of optimistically overestimating GDP, and by the time all the dust settles, it seems like we have a downward revision. Um, this second look into the second quarter GDP shows that it's actually more than in, than we thought first at 4.2%. Um, that news alone should raise interest rates, shouldn't it? It does. It means that tomorrow uh, is brighter these all of this uh, recent stuff that we're going through, it's been getting better. We're building momentum. Tomorrow's brighter. That's usually the environment in which interest rates go up. And they're just not um, <coughs> because investors have nowhere else to put their money but in the safe bed of the U.S. And so enjoy the low rates while you can. Uh, I was asked this week by a rep whether our business was still 80% refinance like his was. What? <laughs> it's like... You're out of your mind, right? I thought he was like kidding me, but said that the pipeline at the bank that he works at is still 80% refinances. And I don't know how to explain that. Wow. Yeah, that's real. That 
that would buck the national trends. Yeah. By a lot. Almost flip flop. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. <laughs> so they must be advertising somewhere in places where, um, I don't know, maybe people that were in comas for the last seven years are just waking up and uh, dealing with mortgages. <laughs> well, it's, it's good to see that GDP is picking back up. Um, making up for a pretty dismal first quarter when we were what negative. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it's nice to have a rebound. Probably expected a, a rebound like this to make up for such a dismal first quarter. Um, the thing that gets me though is is I still when I step back and look around at what's really driving growth, I I have a hard time seeing it. I mean, there's it seems like all week long um, the the media's trying to convince me that. Uh, a new phone on my wrist is going to save the the ec the economy. Isn't that ironic, by the way? Just this last <laughs> week, I was looking. Um, was at Costco and I saw the the watches in the case. The and I Samsung. Thought, I really, I really like watches. I do. And you're wearing a watch. You have, you have a really nice watch. I like it a lot. Um, I haven't worn a watch in years, and it's primarily because I carry um, this my phone in my pocket has the time around the world i don't even need to adjust it <laughs> on daylight savings time it's there and, you know if as long as i keep it charged for all of its other purposes i always have a very functioning watch i think and, a watch shows a lot of class and no offense jason but i just it, yeah but no, it's less it's about utility and more about it's a little bit about vanity it's, it's kind about of a jewelry. Piece of jewelry it's jewelry and so now all yeah. of a sudden uh <clears throat> I mean, I guess because corduroys are back in style and all the kids are wearing neons and stuff. Now they want to put my phone back on my wrist so that I can have a, a wristwatch phone. So you can have a speaker phone wherever you go? Every, just, everyone can be party to your conversation? I, I think it's a lack of innovation. These kids are just, uh, that are working today. I think there's a lot, there's a disconnect. They pulled out the 80s book. <laughs> what happened in the 80s? Do you well, guys want to make a Walkman? really cool. <laughs> Anybody want to make a Walkman or... Ooh, remember the Casio calculator watch? We should make the phone watch. Yeah. Uh, I don't the get Jetsons. it. The Jetsons, <laughs> Inspector Gadget. Yeah. I, I just, I think there's a disconnect between corporate America and what the actual consumer is going to use today. I We've been talking about it around my household because that's all that CNBC's talked about right. the last two weeks. Uh, uh, I don't, I'm not going to buy that. One. None. Well, you're not cool anymore, Dan. And and you know you're what else? Late thirties. We just said a watch is is a is a bit about status, a bit about jewelry and flash, very little about utility. Is everyone gonna want to wear the same watch? No, of course not. There's no individuality with that. Well, maybe they'll have like skins you can put. Oh, there we go. Jesus. And do you remember when you had um, the Swatch watch and you could change the colored the bands, bands and then yeah, which did what had, again? Had like a rubber band thing too that went like you put it on, took the watch off and put the band on so that uh, pieces of rubber crisscrossed over the face, protect it from scratching. Right. So we'd be able to do that. Um, so check this out, dude. If they're really going to do this, maybe we should think about that. Watch accessories. Um, Let's yeah. Get, get back into that. Bit. I saw a guy that made um, a strap for the iPad that like goes around your just above your knee, like around your your um, low thigh for your iPad. So like when you're on the train or the bus or whatever, you clip that thing on, have hands free. Um, and I thought, man, it's brilliant. Some just this guy just piggybacked on somebody else's invention <laughs> and made an accessory for it, and now he's got gobs of money. Maybe we should quickly get into like designer wristbands for your new Apple totally. watch. Yeah, phone. we'll just I got an idea. Throw here. the U.S. economy on our back and carry it forward, right? 
hey, uh, with with rubber band accessories. To. You know, a watch instead of saying <clears throat> Timex or Bulova or something like that, a watch that says on the clock face Central Coast Lending. Mm. Wow. Take it. Wow. What Ooh, maybe idea. we could read time and percentages too. Yeah. In like eights. A, yeah. Right now it's, you know, what is it? It's, well, it's almost nine. It's, well, we'll call, we'd call this 9.375. <laughs> We're close. It's 9.25. That's like nine and three eights, I think. Um, <laughs> we're going to need to do some conversions on that. <laughs> a little percent mark back there just for the extra stuff. But seriously, though, we've joked for five minutes here. Is that really what's driving our economy? If if it is, I'm I'm just gonna lay back and continue and enjoy the slow road that we're on because it's not gonna pick up steam any anytime soon. As a palate cleanser to that, <laughs> I want to tell you that more to it than what's just driving the economy there. Um, we learned this week that the Institute of Supply Management says manufacturing expanded at the fastest pace in August um, in maybe the someone, last three years. Maybe someone already thought of your rubber band idea. They already placed the order. Yeah. <laughs> get, the, get those watch uh, add-ons ready. There's something to it. I mean, I mean, how about like a watch display wipe? Right. <laughs> There's got to like it come in like a little dispenser, like maybe like Carmex, where you just pull like a little display cleaner disposable of course you know clean it and who knows there's got to be something there yeah. um yeah so hey look at that we we ran through some serious time there and so far i think we talked the most about watches we ever had on this show um that's <laughs> what everyone's talking about let's remind you guys of the phone numbers if you want to call in and ask a question or uh share a comment you can 543-8830 is the number we're going to take time out to thank the sponsors here. I'd like to remind you guys that if uh, if these guys didn't pay for these commercials to have us in here, then you'd have to pay to listen to the show. So there you go. Thank them for making it free. Listen to what they have to say. They're good companies. We do business with them. We'll be back in a minute for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical. Like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, Seattle, Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Do you remember the song? Yeah. Meet George Jetson. Do, 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 do. <laughs> his wife, Judy. No, it's his Jane, his wife, huh? His boy, Elroy. Oh, dude. I'm daughter, off. Judy. How long has it been Jane, since I heard this? His wife. Judy. And. <laughs> Jane, his wife. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching the Jetsons. Yeah. That was a cool show. Mr. Cogsley. Yeah. Spacewell. Oswald Cogs. Coswell Cogs. <laughs> and Spacely Sprockets. Good times. That's a throwback right there. <laughs> oh, man. Where to go? They got this, like, smattering of stuff over here that I wanted to talk about. And, um, and I, got a, I got an interesting one for you here. Well, first of all, let's do this. This is a show of we're mortgage guys. So I wanted to ask you something that I thought might make for good radio. Uh-oh, good. All the while providing an update and an opportunity to ask for some new business. How's that sound? Sounds good. Fannie Mae recently changed their rules to be a little bit more lenient about um, seasoning for time lapsed since somebody had a bankruptcy that included real estate in it. And... Obviously, I have an opinion about this. I have an opinion about most things, I think. But um, now here's the reality is that if you had a bankruptcy where you included a mortgage, um, they would hold you to a foreclosure guideline because the property usually goes through foreclosure when you go in a, in a bankruptcy. Um, and so the guidelines said that you had to wait from when the house actually changed hands back over to the bank, the foreclosure, that you had to wait out the actual foreclosure seasoning requirement on that, um, which is five years. So they recently changed the rule now to say that you no longer have to follow that foreclosure seasoning, that you can go from the date of the bankruptcy. And at first glance, to me, this has said, hey, look, Fannie Mae um, is ultimately going more lenient on what is major derogatory credit, right? I mean, go through a bankruptcy and a foreclosure is pretty much the biggest financial blow you can take. And so what you have then is, um, so we, we've gotten more lenient. And so my question to you is this, Dan, is this like the first of many to come business is slowing down a little bit and we're making 
more tolerant credit decisions erring on the lenient side to allow more people to qualify is this where it begins is this one of those problems um it's possible i wouldn't this this isn't such a huge change to in my opinion that it that it signals the beginning of of loosening credit i really don't see that i i think this is more of a clarification of 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 a real problem where where we've seen we've seen clients come in where they had a foreclosure that occurred through bankruptcy and to no fault of the of the individual you know they they thought the bankruptcy cured all their problems right you know that that's kind of your wipe the slate clean move you know start over and and move forward and hopefully do it the right way this time but then the bank who owns the property took that property back or supposed to be taking that property back took their time getting through their process maybe they they got acquired by another bank and there's just a lot of time that transpired before that trustee sale actually took place and the property was actually removed from that individual's name yeah i've seen it take as many as three years yeah so i think it's really just clarifying how to address a specific issue that was kind of confusing before yeah but i don't think it's a signal of loosening credit in fact since all of the tightening has gone on we've seen very little loosening sometimes we hear national media pick up on something and call it a loosening of credit but I don't think so. I think there's real issues that come up that make sense to us that, hey, this person's credit worthy. They, they're they deserving of this loan, but there's a technicality hanging them up. And so there's been some things that say, you know what? You're right. We're going to fix that guideline. We're going to fix this guide. This is just another fix of a guideline that didn't yeah, make sense. You know what's sense. really interesting about that bankruptcy <clears throat> and foreclosure thing? In the way that a foreclosure works in the state of California, we do with the deed of trust, we actually do a non-judicial foreclosure. You know, funny thing is, is that mortgages actually exist in other states where they have a, a judicial foreclosure process. And the two are quite different, actually, the deed of trust versus the mortgage. Mortgage actually has a redemption period, too, if that... You ended up in the problem where the bank had to take back your property at a period of time where you could figure out how to get the cash together to get your property back. And that redemption period caused a lot of problems in some places. So California is non-judicial, which means it, it doesn't take a judge. Basically, you know, what happens is you, as the lender, go in and you say, hey, according to our agreement, this party was to pay us monthly and they haven't in so many days. And so then you can begin the legal process of having the court just allow you then to take it back as owner. And that process is generally the trustee sale. So I'll tell you most commonly what happened over the, you know, and this is, this is true most of the time, but we just, it was so prevalent during the recession is let's just say that you're having trouble paying your mortgage and you just can't, you can't write the check anymore. It just is not possible. Um, so you stop, you know, usually the bank, can deal with it pretty swiftly. Sometime around 90 days, they're able to get in there and have the paperwork filed and then come to you. They, they generally exhaust themselves trying to do a loan modification or a forbearance agreement, try to figure out what your deal is to try to get you up to snuff. And most of the time in a normal, you know, because one to 3% of loans will have some sort of a, a foreclosure type of problem at some point or another anyway. 
So, you know, and usually those people want to be in their house. They've suffered the loss of a job or a death of a spouse or something that's really, really sidetracked them and they don't want to lose their house. And so they'll beg, borrow, away, steal their way into being able to stay. Um, and under what happened through this recession, uh, most most people that were in a really bad way, whether or not they wanted to stay, also had negative equity. In addition, were in a loan that had an unpredictable future. Um, oftentimes, it was kind of the perfect combination to where if there was a, a way to really help them figure out how to work it out, oftentimes people weren't even interested anyway. So what you end up with then is a, a, a difference in motivation um, on behalf of the homeowner from what's historically normal. And then at the same time, um, so many all at the same time, you know, you have the snake trying to swallow the elephant. Everybody's going through it all at the same time. And the bank is shorthanded and short staffed and can't figure it out. And where do you turn? Not very many people even knew the answers to all the questions. What's going to happen to me? Are you going to be able to garnish my wages? Am I going to have to pay income tax for the debt relief? Um, how does the process go down? All of these questions. And I think, um, the questions were never clear or the answers were never clear to many of the questions. And so um, people just didn't know what to do. Um, and so oftentimes those people that quit paying, they just didn't pay. And oftentimes for years until somebody knocks on the door and says, Hey, um, the trustees sale, you know, I know you saw the notice and your name was in the paper a month ago, but the trustee sales happened and your home is officially now owned by countrywide or IndyMac or bank du jour and um, we're going to sell it and you need to get out. And oftentimes they would make some sort of financial compensation to those people to motivate them to get out so that the bank didn't have to go through an eviction process too. Um, but that getting through all of that, and maybe it was the, just the sheer volume, you know, how much can a bank process at a time? Maybe it did take two years. That's how long it took to get to your name on the list. Um, there's always been a, a procedure in place called the deed in lieu. Um, and deed in lieu, in lieu is like um, Latin for instead. And so deed in lieu meant you give the deed instead of the foreclosure. And so you could voluntarily sign a deed in lieu over to the bank and hand them the deed in lieu, which would be recorded and give title back to the bank. Prevents the bank from having to go through the foreclosure process at all. If people knew that way back when they could have done their deed in lieu the day they had their bankruptcy, as soon as it was discharged, call up the bank, say, you know what, Mr. Bank, my bankruptcy's done. Obviously, I have no, you know, I've no obligation to this property anymore or to you. And I'm executing this deed in lieu for you so that you're can resolve this quickly without needing to go through the foreclosure process and without needing to go through the eviction process. Um, you know how many people did that? Like no one. It it almost never happened. People didn't know enough about it. And well, the why wouldn't do a good job of offering? I it. was gonna say, why wouldn't the banks offer that? You know, we just. It, it seems like that's past times now. It's not what we're seeing anymore so much. Uh, I, this is a really muddy topic. In fact, I think we could talk about this for a few hours. But I want to remind you that when Harp came out. The servicers were offered fifty thousand dollars to that's true um, per loan if, if that would be forgiven from their fines and penalties if they could work people through and not ultimately foreclose on them and so I think 
what would have been smart would be to the bank should have said, hey, do a deed in lieu and let's just call this thing a day. But instead, they they spent time and energy trying to figure out how to remedy these things. In well, another there was way. there were also issues with loans that had mortgage insurance and how mortgage how the insurance That's would right. be paid out depending on the outcome of the. You yeah, know, the loan. So if and and whether or not the mortgage insurance was for a specific loan or entire loan pool, oftentimes there was a clause in there that said, "Hey, on a foreclosure, or um, yeah, basically on a foreclosure, you'll receive your benefit for the mortgage insurance. If you do a loan modification or agree to a short sale or a deed in lieu, now you sort of took the first off ramp instead of seeing this thing through. There's no benefit for you." So again, and I don't, I don't think that stuff's going to go on. Should we ever go through another recession the way that we just did? And I think next time the rules of engagement will be a lot more clear. But yeah, I, I'm with you, Dan. I think this is this is really where um, Fannie Mae is attempting to align their guidelines to what um, ultimately is just more fair. Is to say that you know you had a bankruptcy and you discharged the property through bankruptcy, and it's not your fault that the bank took three years to make it happen so we'll start the clock running from the bk instead of from the foreclosure so I would, i'm going to argue that i think is a it's a good it's a good guideline change i don't think it opens the door for a bunch of people that it's not signaling shouldn't or can't qualify in, yeah all of the people that, that come forward to qualify even with that new um arguably more lenient guideline they're still going to have to be fully documented um, with reestablished credit which is pretty strict after a bankruptcy if you're going to get a conventional loan they're going to have to have their full income and assets documented they're going to have the appraisal that goes through its rigorous um, tests today i still i don't think that it is somehow going to degrade the quality of loans um, but i can hear the talking heads already saying hey check this out because at the same time um you know recently wells fargo made an announcement that they're doing loans down to a 550 credit score and all of the conservative people kind of pucker up a little bit when you hear that you say hey look at why are you guys really uh, things are slowing down enough that you're already dumbing down to people that got a 550 you're willing to do a loan for are we isn't that what got us into this trouble in the first place yeah but there's a lot more to stuff like that likewise with the fha back to work program where you can get qualified for a mortgage after only 12 months since a bankruptcy or foreclosure oh, yeah <clears throat> you know the 550 credit scores in one year after a major um, credit event those are big guidelines but in order to qualify for those you have to have a very unique situation that's documentable where you can show hey job loss led to this credit degrading or this this bankruptcy or foreclosure or a significant decline in income right. or a major life event you know death or something going on in the family that that caused those issues it can't just be yeah, it didn't you work know, out. I made a bad decision. <laughs> I bought at the wrong time and I decided right. to let it go. You know, that's that's not the person getting qualified. And trust me, we have people who are like that, who are trying to call and take advantage. But those programs aren't for them. That's not what that's not what the banks are trying to offer. They're not trying to offer loans to those people who made strategic decisions. We were found on the internet this week by a guy from San Diego that had been turned down by several lenders was attempting to get in under the back to work program. And that back to work program, he had had a, he had had a foreclosure just about a year ago. And I told him, Hey, that's a program that we offer, but the, 
it's no monkeying around. You have to have truly a documentable extenuating circumstance that's substantial um, and or a, a, at least a 20% decline in income in the immediate preceding 12 months. And this guy's like, well, I had a 20% reduction in my income in 2007. Yeah, but you paid your mortgage until 2013, at which point you went into foreclosure. So there, there are definitely people that are trying to game the system, and it's just not going to work. Um, so no, I, I don't know that it degrades the quality at all. Uh, and you know, the so real quick before we move on from that issue about that Fannie Mae loan, um, there's people out there that I I want to hear this message because I think this could be a game changer for you and your household. If you had to get an FHA loan because you had that foreclosure um, through that bankruptcy, you weren't eligible for a conventional loan when you got your FHA loan. So you're paying a higher mortgage insurance than you need to. Um, those There's some people out there that could really stand to benefit from that. So um, I want to just expand that call a little bit farther. And I just want to tell everybody, if you have an FHA loan, or you have a loan that has any kind of mortgage insurance, let's get together and talk about it. Uh, we're experts at figuring out how to get your mortgage insurance to go away. Uh, in some cases, just reduce it. I mean, do you know the conventional mortgage insurance can be as little as a third of what the FHA mortgage insurance is? I priced one out yesterday for a young couple where FHA mortgage insurance was $436 a month and the conventional was 165 um, if there's any way to get yourself over into the conventional world as soon as possible is usually a good thing to do. Um, but you know, we like to, um, build clientele for life. And, um, if you come in and you've got an FHA loan where it's going to go away in a year on its own or something, we can figure that out and tell you that that's what you're up for. And that's not somebody that we're going to try to do a loan for. Um, but if you've got nine years remaining on your FHA mortgage insurance at 400 bucks a month, I mean, we already know that you're going to spend $30,000 on mortgage insurance. Let's stop that and, or, or get you in a conventional loan where we could cut the 30 down to 10. Um, because guys, the difference in that mortgage insurance is a car payment. <laughs> and I'm going to argue more importantly is a contribution to your 401k, um, which, would be huge for most households to be able to dump a few extra hundred bucks a month into 401k, some sort of savings account. So I just want to urge everybody, if you have mortgage insurance, if you um, had a bankruptcy or a foreclosure and got an FHA loan, it's time to just call in and see if it's possible to get into a conventional loan. I've no doubt there are people that are listening right now. You know that your siblings or your parents or your children are in an FHA loan because that's what they could qualify for at the time. Um, so I just I want the message to be clear that I'd love to hear from you guys. Let's just stick our heads down together and figure out if there's another option to save you guys some money. Um, and everybody benefits, obviously, because we, we make money um, on doing the deals, too. So that's the, the big cry out right now. Um, we got to go ahead and do a commercial break. It's 12 before 10. We're going to finish this hour strong and then bring our guests in. So stick around after this break for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. 
Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. We recently made the jump to direct lender. That's right. Now we can do your loan in-house, but we still broker too. We choose based on getting the best loan terms for you. We don't know what to call it yet, but you'll call it amazing. Refi or refinance a home. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Oh, make me over. I'm all I want to be. I walk and study. All right, guys, welcome back. Hey, so catch me up real quick. I don't, I don't have a lot of time to pay attention to like pop culture here. Mm-hmm. Um, Betty White was said to have died, but it was a Facebook rumor, and she didn't. Yeah. Betty White's alive. Okay, she's a, she's but alive. Joan Rivers really did die. Yes, yes. the The thing is that it said something about Betty White dyes her hair. D y e s. Oh, good. Oh, so we played off the like not D I E S inability for people to read. Yeah. Okay. So, you know. Shoot. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she didn't die. <laughs> no. I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, you know they travel in threes, but you're gonna lose Robin Williams, yeah. Betty White, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Joan well, Rivers. Joan Rivers. <laughs> well, we did actually. We lost Lauren Bacall. Everybody kind of forgot. Oh uh, yeah, Lauren Bacall. But she was actually on the set of Hot in Cleveland when the rumor broke out. Her rep is like, no, she's shooting right now. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, that settles that. There we go. 
Can you imagine though being like ninety two or three and still being in her shape and condition? I no. mean, it's crazy. I I just yeah. I I don't want to work all the time now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> you know? she, I'm pretty sure that she doesn't need to work and continues just because it's what she loves to do. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I hope to work until I'm 90 doing loans because it just makes me I just so love happy. It. Just love it so much. People will be like, is he out somewhere yeah. like golfing? No, yeah. no, he's right there with his 12C. Yeah. Just crunching, <coughs> crunching DTIs, getting people qualified. Well, the end's like season, what, 50 of uh, Mortgage Matters. calculator. Hey, man. That was a nerdy calculator reference. If, if no one else caught that out of Jason's mouth. You might say I'm nerdy, uh, but I want you to know that the best and brightest use the HP 12C. <laughs> and and there is something... I'm not a 12C kind of guy, and I think I'm I pretty want, darn good. My 12C has made you more money than you could run and jump over. And there's been at least a couple of instances Whoa. where somebody's come into my office, and if they had any, like... Yeah, do I want to work with a local company as opposed to one of the big, robust you national banks? You just flash banks? the 12C. They see it on the desk, and they go, <laughs> my man, the 12C. We do the special 12C handshake. It's like a forward, back, up, down with a little yeah. dove thing. It's a, it, I'm telling you, the 12C is – it's, it's like basically a religion. There we go. Reverse Polish notation. Well, now people know where they could find their, their brother And my in favorite arms. thing, too, is when somebody says, hey – uh, you got a calculator, and I'm like, yeah, but it's a it's a 12 C, and they're like, but it's a calculator, right? It does addition and subtraction. Yeah, yeah you it's, bet. It's Polish. It's reverse Polish notation, though. <laughs> what does that mean? Here, <laughs> add two and two. Tell me when you figure it out. <laughs> Good times. Um, there was a. Huh. Well, I I kind of like the the track we were on. We were talking about real scenarios um with people because i think ultimately that the root of this show that's what we try to do is help people figure out how to get things done in the mortgage world and um we were talking about some loosening of guidelines or some clear i called it more of a clarification of of a rule that just didn't make sense before and now it makes sense on how to handle the situation mm -hmm. and you know there's another one that has come up recently actually in our office and it it has to do with someone who doesn't have a lot of credit depth or um, just, I, I call it depth. You know, when we look at credit, your scores obviously are, are a big factor in, in qualifying for a mortgage loan. We like to see your scores up above 740. Um, for those of you who don't know, a, a credit score will typically range on the low side. Um, they can go as low as like, it depends on the, on the um, repository that's reporting, but the, 350 i think is the low yeah i saw a real special case of a um some of the worst credit you could even imagine if you sat down to draw up what the worst credit in your just looks like this contained a 418 wow yeah and this was like a book of red ink on just terrible credit Usually, i don't know that i've ever seen a credit score below 500 yeah it's a trick to get it that bad yeah it um, really is you know generally speaking once you have some bad credit because you you know missed a bill got a collection got a charge off um, things like that. You, usually, you're going to find credit scores in the low 500s. 515 is is that's a classic. Like nobody's loaning you anything. Go get yourself some secured credit and enjoy the long road back to society. 
Um, but sometimes we'll run into the person who doesn't even generate scores or they generate one score, but the other two, um, you know, there you have your your TransUnion, your Equifax, and your Experian, and, and maybe one of the three are reporting, or two of the three are reporting a score, and it may be a good score, but it's a problem in the mortgage world because what it's signaling is you don't have a lot of credit, and the credit you do have isn't very deep. You don't have a lot of history with that credit, and we run into that often, most often with with younger people, with the first time buyers, because you know maybe they have one credit card and. You know, maybe you know who it. else it is lately, too? It's people that had good credit, but they're turning into a ghost because they closed all their accounts and they stopped using it when they played the, the you know, played the card of I'm, I'm getting out of debt and I'm done with this for the last time. Like the Dave Ramsey course, that course <clears throat> has done so much great things for so many people. They end up without credit at times if they don't use it at all. And so we'll see people that have a mortgage and they come in and all of a sudden they don't have a score because they haven't had credit in 10 years. And very recently, just in the last 30 days, we had a woman. She's in her, she's in her mid-80s. She's qualifying for a mortgage. But she she grew up in the time of, you know, you don't – credit is when you don't have money. You know, when, you, when you're spending responsibly, you're spending the money you do have and not borrowing to buy things. So she's a, she's a cash buyer kind of person her whole life. Doesn't have a lot of credit history because she bought with cash. Weird. I mean, this is a person <laughs> who is responsible with money, but mortgage guidelines want to see generally anywhere from three to five trade lines that are open and active for the last 12-month period. Now, this woman didn't have that she had one trade line for 12 months and a couple of trade lines for less than 12 and that was really it there wasn't a lot of depth there and we were struggling to find this person luckily with um you know our array of options there's non-traditional credit uh, qualifications. yeah usually you can use like 12 months of utility bill or 12 months of house payment cell phones yeah. charter your uh pg and e gas so this company. is something actually fanny and freddie allow that on any loan um that you do but most banks go more conservative and say if I understand they allow that, but we're not going to allow it unless they, you know, have three trade lines. So that's just another one of the benefits of the structure of our company. And so, yeah, there you go, Dan. Good point. Anybody out there has credit um, or lack thereof, I should say, and is looking to get qualified for home loan, we can help. Guys, we got to get out for the top of the hour break. When we get back, we're going to be joined by our guests. we got a whole other hour of Mortgage Matters, so stick around. I'll just... All right, guys. Welcome back. Thanks for being with us. It's 10.06 now. This is when we used to just be starting Mortgage Matters. And uh, we moved forward a whole hour. So if your reminder is still getting you here late, change it. We're starting at 9 now. Uh, we're starting at 9 because we were able to successfully bump that. Um, I don't know. What is it, man? It, I don't listen. Let's just the call the it krill. And cleanse. The krill oil. Yeah, the there. krill oil thing that. It, uh, that just makes people change the channel. Um, so yeah, that's on after us now. So now feel free to turn the channel off at 11 and you know, I used to be able to turn it off at 12. 
And it's afforded us the ability, hopefully, to make a few more Little League games uh, with the kids because we'll get out of here an hour earlier. So all in all, I'd say it was a huge success. And um, all right, so in this hour now, we got a couple guests with us in here. We have uh, people self-help housing represented today. Um, John Fowler and Cheryl Flores, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Um, I know I said in that first hour, I didn't recall if we'd had you on before. I, I do recall. As soon as I saw you, I, I knew that we'd met before, so I apologize. I'm so memorable, I guess. <laughs> well, I was afraid that I'd like that that would be offensive. You know, I did meet you. I was on your show. Um, okay, my bad. So welcome, welcome. Um, so John, you're you're the now president, um, CEO and president, huh? I am. The big cheese. I'm it. So um, I always like to um, learn a little bit about you. I want to do it in backwards order, though. Okay. okay. So as I'd like you to give us a flyby overview of people, self-help housing. Uh, what's the organization? Why do we care? What are we going to talk about today? And then tell me about you and how you got into it and how it, it must've tugged on the heartstrings at some point. It, it did. It did. So, uh, to start out people, self-help housing has been around since, uh, late 1960s, uh, you know, for a while. And, uh, I am the new CEO uh, as of April Fool's Day, so just a few months. And um, so we are, we cover, our ours is to build affordable housing for low-income people is probably the general response to that. And and our territory, if you will, our range era is from Paso Robles all the way down to Camarillo. <coughs> and we have, <coughs> excuse me, uh, we have about um, 1,500 units that we manage, multifamily, and we also, uh, with about 5,000 tenants that we manage on a day-to-day -day basis uh, in about 46 sites, and we also do sweat equity homes uh, with Cheryl here, who I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that, uh, and we've been doing that since the beginning as well, so, um, you know, pretty broad range, and uh, and we also provide daily services through our supportive services to each one of those tenants to keep them housed, so. Yeah. How many tenants total, then? Uh, almost 5,000, just under. Uh, in those 1,500 units. That sounds like a lot. That's a lot of people. You must have a pretty big <laughs> staff to be taking care of that many rental properties. We do. We have about, uh, with full-time and part-time, about 160 staff. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. So it's uh, quite a few people. To that was very of. big. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so now the second part of it then, how'd you get into this? You know, I was, uh, actually, I'm a CPA uh, by profession, and uh, I actually uh, have been in town for about 30 years and actually uh, built the extension to the new high school downtown, uh, was a project manager for that. Also restored the mission downtown, San Luis Obispo. So, uh, so construction and was kind of my background and uh, was doing consulting work for people self-help housing about four years ago. And Jeanette Duck in the previous uh, president and CEO said, oh, you need to come work for us. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. But uh, after doing some consulting work for them and seeing the staff that was there and, and the mission and, and what they do, I was, I was like, yeah, you know what? I could do this. This could be a pretty good gig. So uh, I was pretty excited to, to take the, the reins. Wow. All right. And your, your uh, <laughs> affiliate here that you brought in, Cheryl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, give us a refresher. Well, I'm in charge of all the home ownership programs, which is the self-help that John alluded to earlier, self-help construction. We also do housing counseling and help everyone get into home ownership. We have educational courses, seminars, one-on-one -on -one counseling, and we do foreclosure mitigation counseling as well. Um, we make some down payment assistant loans, just anything to do with home ownership is my gig. 
I hear frequently that these programs are struggling for funding, and always that seems to be an, an operative problem. It, it is, and uh, you know, it's no secret that, that all the jurisdictions, all the governmental entities, are you know their budgets are shrinking, and as a result, uh, so as their donations to nonprofits like us. So, so yeah, we've had to get very creative in the last few years since the recession, and and uh, we keep following that in Washington and in Sacramento. But you know, we've been trying to be uh, more creative about how we do that. We do uh, over the last few years have been providing uh, third-party services for like IT and management uh, for other nonprofits and uh, mm -hmm. supportive services to their tenants, and so trying to find ways that what do we do really really well that could help other nonprofits and maybe pay some of the bills so so some third-party uh, stuff that we've been doing we've uh, people are still very generous so we were, we're raising more money uh, you know yeah I was just gonna ask do you guys have any like big f annual fundraiser or anything like that we do and we have several sponsors I mean uh, corporate sponsors Wells Fargo B of A local people and uh, people who do business with us um, construction companies and what have you so if, uh, we do quite a bit of activity construction activity and what have you so um, we ask those people to partner with us and and, and drink the same Kool-Aid than they do so <laughs> Uh, so, you know, we're, we're raising more money privately and we're also doing third party services and uh, but we've been we've done really, really well through the recession. Uh, we're, we're you know, we've been around, as we say, for all, a long time. We kind of know how to do this and uh, find those funding sources. So. So we've had Habitat for Humanity on a couple of times also <clears throat> on this show and, and already one of the big differences I'm seeing, and I, I was kind of hoping we could talk about just the difference between sure. people self-help housing and Habitat for Humanity in case others are a little confused on what, you know, are, are you competing entities? Are you, you know, one of the, one of the things I've already noticed is that with, it sounds like there's a lot of property management going on, a lot of renters that you're, that you're managing. Um, that's correct. So that, that's a, pr that's one big difference right there. That, that's great. There, you know, our model is different than Habitat's, and, and Cheryl's probably you know, on the front of that, and you might have a more crisp answer to that. Okay. Well, actually, we've been around longer than Habitat by um, Habitat for Humanity, but they're, you know, a very good organization as well. Traditionally, they have served a little bit lower income market. They went, like, from 30 to 40% of median income, and we help people from 40 to 80. But over the past few years, they have changed a little and are working with a little bit higher incomes, more in the same block as ours. Uh, they used to not use government funds. That was a difference, but now they do use government funds, so we're a little bit similar there. They don't require as much sweat equity because the, locally they're only building a few houses at a time. They get a lot of volunteer support and a lot of donations, and that's why they're able to um, work with a little bit lower income population. Because we build about 30 homes a year, and we used to build 50 homes a year, we can't attract that much volunteer labor, so our families have to put in more time to complete their homes. That's the main difference, but they're a good organization and they fill a niche as well. So. As far as the income limits go, 40 to 80% of median income, what does that translate into in actual annual earnings? It depends on the family size, but usually we're working with households that earn from about 34 to about 65000 per year. And is it a pretty competitive um, environment to qualify for, for the housing that, that you're offering? Yes. Um, our lenders do require good credit. They can usually only have one late payment in the last 12 months. They have to have a credit score, you know, decent, 665 usually. Uh, they have to have enough income to make the payments. And um, 
they have to be willing to work to build their house. It usually takes over a year now because we're building some pretty fancy homes these days as that's what's required in the jurisdictions. Um, when we open up a subdivision, we have some properties in North San Luis County that will probably start taking applications for early next year, one in San Miguel and one in Atascadero. So when we do that, we'll, we're actually going to start this fall and put on some home buyer seminars so that people can prepare, find out what they need to do to get their credit in shape, um, their income in shape, and things like that. We'll put on some seminars in the fall. We don't have dates yet. We'll announce it. We'll distribute applications. Usually we have a lottery because we have a lot of applicants, and then we'll process them. Um, oh, the question just escaped me. Um, <laughs> I might tell you that the multifamily is a little bit different. We hit a little bit lower uh, <laughs> AMI. Uh, we hit down to 30%, up to 60%, and those incomes are a little bit lower as well. So for a family of four, it might be 22000 a year. Okay. And uh, climb up to 45000 a year. Uh, so th that's a little bit different. And if they do well into the multifamily, maybe we can graduate them into Cheryl's program and get them into a sweat equity single family home, which is kind of cool. We also have two hotels where we actually scoop people up as, as homeless, the chronic homeless and what have you, get them into our hotels. If they do well there, maybe we can get them into the multifamily, maybe multifamily to sweat equity. So there's sort of a, we bring them in and try to keep them housed and try and move them along the process. So as far as the, the qualification goes, I mean, the income levels you're talking about are, are pretty um low. pretty yeah low for for afford affordability in in this area yeah i, I was mean, thinking if if you made a couple thousand bucks a month which is you know 24 a, grand a year <laughs> a little over what you're describing Correct. would be the low end of that customarily speaking i mean that means that you'd have two to four hundred and fifty dollars a month to put towards housing in a in a household like that yeah, the, the, you know those rents uh, usually go somewhere between four hundred and eleven hundred, depending on you know the income and, and the unit itself. So it's a little bit higher than that, but uh, it's pretty low. And so aside from you know you said credit, you want to see around a six sixty, six sixty five was the That's number. That's the minimum for credit. Um, do you also look at debt to income ratio when you're trying to qualify? Yeah, we try to keep people only spending about thirty. 30 to 33 percent of their income on their house payment and then total debt can exceed you know 41 43 percent so are the is the financing is it below market interest rate something subsidized the preferred program for us to use is usda which huh? is only available in the rural areas but it's preferred because with a self-help loan they make the loan to the family up front the family buys the lot so as they build they know that is their home if we're building in an urban area we're recently completing homes in oceano which is considered urban um, <laughs> financing was a real challenge there because we had to work with the lender that was willing to keep working with the family for six months until they're ready to close so you know you guys are in the business and you know that takes a lot of time yeah. sure. but we're now we're finishing the houses any day they'll get their certificates of occupancy it's been really exciting interest rates have stayed low so we were really worried that the families may not stay qualified if interest rates shot up but everything's come together nicely so it sounds like if you're using usda financing i mean you're just you're using the same loan programs that we offer USDA mm -hmm. financing, it's a 100% loan, you know, interest rates are in the high threes to low fours. That sound about yes, the same? Yeah. I mean, it's mm -hmm. the same program. It's a good program. Um, it, it's a great program. We use that, uh, it, it's probably second to conventional as, as far as the most used loan programs 
uh, through the, our business. The go-to for anybody that doesn't have the down payment. It really is. It's a great program. And, and just to remind our listeners of the geographic restrictions of a USDA loan, it basically works everywhere in our count in our county except for San Luis Obispo City and the five cities area. Um, and then when you step into North Santa Barbara County, uh, the core of Santa Maria is not eligible. Out the outskirts are, so it it's eligible in all other areas of the county. It's a great loan program. Um, as far as um, the sweat equity requirements to qualify, what are, what are we talking about? How many hours? We require each household to put in forty hours a week. So usually that's two people putting in ten hours each on Saturday and Sunday. And then they work during the week in the evenings, particularly in the summertime, as they are getting close to finishing their homes, they can do a lot more independently. And they all work on each other's homes. You don't just build your home. Um, that would take a whole lot more of our time to teach every person to do every task. So we'll train a team and they'll go hang windows in all ten houses in the group, or we'll train another team to do this or that. They all work together. When they move in, they all know their neighbors. They may or may not be best friends, but they're a community. Yeah, and then they know that they they bent the nail over in the wall of their buddy's house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was curious about that because we participated. We took the whole company out for a day of Habitat for Humanity build and um, We like volunteers too. I'm sure of that. (laughs) See, Dan said he's he's got tons of free time and tools great yeah will you let us bring our own tools if yes, we volunteer certainly that was a hard thing over there they gave me like a little tiny uh hammer i would call it a kitchen hammer <laughs> and uh yeah we something you used to, to bring, hang pictures i didn't with. bring my tool bags or my skill saw i mean i, I didn't bring anything just showed up and yeah it was yeah a picture hanging hammer to go frame with we welcome experienced volunteers <laughs> is there in with doing that type of construction is there ever concern over the quality of it or you guys always have somebody looking over making sure that it's all up to par we have a construction supervisor working with each group and yeah they make sure everything's done right but you'd actually be surprised the families are much more picky than you know an average layman carpenter so they do things very carefully it's and, their house yeah yeah i grew up on doing construction one of the things you hear around uh, all the builders would always say things like well oh, good enough for my home <laughs> or cock and paint make us what we ain't that's the other good one that's funny hey it's uh 10 21 now so we owe a commercial break to our sponsors we'll go ahead and do that if you guys do have any comments or questions want to find out how you can qualify or what resources you might need to get on track give us a call the number here is 543-8830 we'll back after this short break with more mortgage matters to ask a question or make a comment call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832 mortgage matters on kvec news talk 920 we'll be back after these messages from our sponsors through seven presidential administrations bull and bear markets and unprecedented change Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property. Lower your rate, shorten your loan term, or get out of your mortgage insurance. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. 
just call 543 loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, guys, welcome back. If you're just joining us, welcome. Uh, we're, man, we're just burning through time. We're already about halfway through this segment. In the studio today, we've got some folks from People Self-Help Housing. Uh, you know, it, I think just kind of going back, what we found out is that it's a pretty big organization. Got a lot of tenants in the, you know, upwards of 5,000 people that you guys are helping provide affordable housing for, which is amazing. And then also helping uh, folks and families realize home ownership, something that for many of these people probably wasn't in their wildest dreams. So that that's pretty, that's pretty awesome stuff. Um, you mentioned earlier about the houses that you were, you guys are building some pretty fancy houses because of what's required lately. And I kind of wanted to circle back to that a little bit. Um, I had a couple questions about it, and the first one that's pressing to me is surely the the city or county that you guys are putting these projects in, are they discounting or waiving fees um, because of the good work that you're doing and in helping perhaps like what John said, taking somebody that was from the creek to the multifamily um, ultimately over into or to the hotel into the multifamily and then perhaps into the sweat equity program. Um are they incenting financially by lowering that bar and, and helping along in that process? They are helpful by giving us expedited processing at time. Some of the jurisdictions do give us reduced fees, or actually they don't reduce the fees. They use some money somewhere else to pay for it. The city of San Luis, is, I have to give recognition to, they've been the most helpful in that direction. But it's actually very seldom that we get any fee reductions. It's very seldom. Which is fascinating to me where when what you're trying to accomplish is affordable housing for the very low income segment of the population, that they would still straddle you with the full um, 
the full fees, which I feel like oftentimes merely fund the bureaucracy of it all. I know there's a lot of good work that happens with it too, but the fees are kind of excessive. I mean, you probably have a great handle on it. What does it cost generally per unit for the the fees process of walking out building one of these units? It certainly varies from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, and it might be slightly lower on the apartments than the homes. But really, water is your largest factor, and in many communities, water and sewer is over, you know, thirty thousand per unit, um, and then fees often total about, you know, ninety thousand per unit, hundred thousand a unit. Wow. Put together. That's a lot of money. It'd be nice if if there was a little bit more. And and I asked you that kind of kind of baited you there because we we bring that up with the various um, nonprofits and stuff that are coming around attempting to help in housing. There's not a lot of help financially on there, and so it makes me kind of come back to this issue of how can people get involved and help? What are those fundraiser opportunities or um, donation opportunities? Well, obviously, we're out there, you know, uh, trying to raise money through our sponsors. And, and as we talk about, we're never ashamed to sort of put our hand out. I was actually talking with Pat Mullins yesterday at PG&E, and I said, you know, what can you do for us to, you know, this is, we're trying to do something good in the community. And, Pat, can you help us? You guys do a lot of things in the community. Can you help us on the PG&E underground stuff? Because we were looking at a project that Cheryl was doing. Uh, we recently acquired uh, in uh, Tascadero, and it's almost $200,000 for the PG&E work. And uh, so some sharpening, some pencils. So uh, we talked with our subcontractors. By we, the way, PG&E is typically a great supporter uh, of yes. local and, uh, and And Pat, he has, he's agreed to, to go out there and sharpen his pencils. So we're leaning on everybody. We're leaning on the subcontractors. You know, hey, this is a great thing. You want to help us out here? So uh, we're never ashamed to ask, and, and plus the, the fundraising that we do on an annual basis. But, you know, it, you can connect with us on the website. Obviously, there's a donate button there, and uh, feel free to see that and everything else that we're doing out there. But... Um, and then we do an annual brochure, which I brought for a copy for you guys, as well as our strategic plan. So, and we talk about our partners in here. I had a, a question. This is the one that I put up on the screen here too, but um, it kind of goes back to Jason here with the the cities helping with fees. Right. Aren't cities kind of mandated to have some sort of low income housing, and wouldn't your company help with that? And it would be kind of beneficial for them to kind of knock down some of the fees. To yeah, there's a housing element, and all the jurisdictions go through that, and they've got to identify for the state, you know, how they're going to meet the affordable housing requirement that the state is asking them to do in their housing element. So they, they do identify uh, parcels that are great mm -hmm. for that and make sure the zoning's properly for that. And, you know, if there is home funds or CDBG, which are, as you mentioned, Jason, are, are dwindling these days. So mm -hmm. they allocate what resources that they can, uh, and then they look to partners like us to, to put the rest of it together. But really on the multifamily side, mm -hmm. uh, the largest uh, contributor, if you will, is the 9% tax credit that the state does. And that, you know, that looks, when you bring in a project into that, that's the lion's share of the money that will come into a project. It won't be CDBG or home funds that necessarily come in. Those help. Uh, but you know, pick a project like a $15 million multifamily project, it, uh, maybe 12 of that comes through tax credits. So uh -huh. um, you qualify by tax credits, uh, and then that comes back in. So, uh, And then the rest of it is CDBG and home, and you do other things, so you get that, as you guys can appreciate, you get the debt down to where the, the low rents can support a very That's small awesome. debt. Sure. So, uh, so that's a program. So they, they, the jurisdictions look at us to be, uh, you know, that professional connection to the state to be, to apply for those tax credits and bring them to the local community, marry them up with their CDBG and home funds, and then build the projects for them. Yeah. 
Well, that makes sense, I hope. Yeah, it does. Um, it sounds complicated. It is. And it sounds like part of your 160-member staff is, is trying to keep that stuff straight all the time. It is amazing. And as you do anything with the government, you're going to have a lot of compliance and a lot of reporting and a lot of – so we, as Cheryl knows, uh, we got to income qualify every single tenant, every one of those tenants, every single year, go through all their files. Anyone who's in the household, we got to get all their information, submit it to um, – it's completely, as you imagine, regular. It, this is not a, a, uh, an industry you want to get in with your faint of heart. No. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. Hey, we do have a phone call here, so I'd like to remind you guys, you can call in 543-8830 if you'd like to ask a question or share a comment. Um, maybe you know these guys and want to just call and say hi. Do it. Um, so we'll go ahead and take first phone call here. It's uh, Angela calling from Templeton. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good, and you? Good, thanks. So you have a, you have a question for us. I don't actually have a question. I have a comment. I went through um, People's Self-Help Housing um, Homeownership Program. Um, oh, yeah? My kids and I have been in our house in Templeton in, for the past two years. Oh, wow. Um, and when I was listening to you talk earlier about the program, I just wanted to call in and say how how much this how, kind of saved us. Yeah. So we, My kids and I were living on a couch. So now we have a home, and it's just amazing. That's awesome. Hey, well, thank you for the call. I appreciate that. It is always nice to take something that feels sort of abstract and, and really kind of in this, put a face to it. Um, so thanks. Well, Angie was a single mom and built the home with her son. Her son was over 16. He helped her build the home, and now he's in college. And actually, Angela is on our board now. She's <laughs> our first self-help member to um, get on our board, and it makes a tremendous contribution. That's awesome. She's a superstar. Thank you. I really do appreciate that. Um, yeah, and so that kind of brings me to the next thing is how do people even learn about people's self-help housing, whether they're in need of immediate um, rental housing or working towards wanting to go through the sweat equity program? Um, how does this get on the radar of people? I, I, I feel like somebody that's a family of four um, trying to figure out how to survive on twenty two grand a year, aren't sitting back on Saturday morning listening to Mortgage Matters. <laughs> so where do the people come from that learn about this? We're very well known, I think, in the nonprofit community. So we have other partners. If they're getting services at another entity, they'll share the information. Word of mouth is tremendous, particularly in the rental and the self-help programs. They say, well, I'm living here, and it's wonderful. Come apply. Or they get on our self-help interest list because their cousin or brother built. And um, so word of mouth is huge. We do not do a lot of paid advertising, but we do try to get on the radio shows like this and, and take advantage of everything we can. Yeah. If you Google affordable housing, you're going to find us pretty quickly. Right. Facebook. <laughs> yeah. And I was also curious, a um, couple other things that I just jotted down to ask you guys was, um, number one, how big of a concern is like green building today? And are you guys able to incorporate a lot of the energy efficient type of upgrades? To, I mean, more than what's just mandated or is it just keeping the expenses as low as possible? All that and above. No, most of our um, funding programs require both on the rental and the home ownership side that we exceed Title 24 by 15 percent. Um, we're working with grid alternatives on the home ownership side to get solar in. Um, 
we're very green, and particularly this is a mild climate, and sometimes I think the cost of you know, energy efficiency in our climate is more than it's worth, but we, we do all that and more. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Title 24, and I'm sure there are some people wondering what that is. Would you mind explaining at least a little bit? It's a California statewide basically measurement that takes into consideration all the energy factors of your home, you know, insulation, windows, energy use, spits out a formula and um, says how efficient you are. Okay. And then there's a standard of efficiency that you have to be at just to, to get signed off by code. Yeah. And then um, so you're saying that you guys are oftentimes having to exceed that by some percentage. We actually do have to exceed it, and even more so on the multifamily, we exceed more than the 15, more closer probably to the 17%. And it's one of those things, it's a point getter for the 10% tax credits, meaning that you score higher, are more likely to get that award if you are more green. So there's always this balance of more green means more dollars. We want to keep it affordable to build, but yet we want to get the project. We, so, you know, where can we have enough green? We're certainly going to exceed Title 24, as Cheryl mentioned. Uh, but what point does it come cost prohibitive for us to do that and, and actually deliver the project? Yeah. So it, it's a challenge. Yeah. We're actually planning a net zero um, apartment complex down in Santa Maria. So that's in the works. What is net zero? It will use no energy. We will, it'll have solar to produce electric. Like no the, utility the bills whatsoever? The basement is just full of hamsters just running out of their minds? <laughs> well, no electricity or gas bills whatsoever. And, of course, we try to minimize water use, but we're going to have to use some of that. Sure. <laughs> and it also goes into the qualifying for the tenants, as you realize. You know, that's part of their cost, the utility cost that they have to pay on a monthly basis. And that goes into the factor of figuring out how they're going to qualify. So, um, I was hoping that you could just share... Uh, website and, and Facebook and contact info. Um, want to do that a couple times during the show so that people know how to get in touch with your organization. Okay. Well, our website is very simple. It is the initials of our name, if you could remember, People Self Help Housing Corporation. So it's www.pshhc.org. Our Facebook, just put in our name, People Self Help Housing, and it will pop up. Great. Is People Self Help just local, or is this like a national? We're just local. Uh, we're from, like I mentioned, from Paso Robles down to Camarillo. So this is kind of our geographical area. But there are there are other self help entities like us uh, throughout the state, and we actually collaborate with those. I mean, we, we meet with those people and find out what they're doing and, and learn from what their techniques and stuff, and they learn from us, and it's a it's a great affiliation. John, you need to widen your horizons. We're building in San Miguel. <laughs> it's north of Paso. <laughs> I'm sorry, San Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> I and I also just want to ask just the the pointed question here of um, what do you hope to gain today? Why are you here? I think as Cheryl mentions, we're just trying to you know uh, tell people and and do more education of that we're out there. We're you know we're a source. We're available to the community, and uh, we want them to contact us if they're looking for housing and. Um, you know, we do have, obviously, there's a r great need for affordable housing on the Central Coast. Uh, it's, it's tough to live here. And uh, so we want to try and make sure that we're, we're out there and uh, available and people know about us and uh, the possibility of housing. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I'm always really impressed by just nonprofits. Nonprofits picking up and doing the work that the government, in my estimation, shouldn't be doing but needs that really do matter to the community. And I think it's great what you guys are doing. Um, it Obviously, it must be something that you can 
make a living at too with the amount of people that work there but it's just awesome to me that that would be your calling and you would go into doing this full time and taking care of meeting this most basic need of shelter it is amazing work and you know i worked for the for the church for a number of years and i thought well can i work for a you know sort of a secular nonprofit? and this is as much church work and mission work as anything i've ever worked on so yeah yeah sure yeah um all right well it's time for us to take our final commercial break of the show and we get back i heard you mention something before about an open house or something you guys had upcoming so yeah so when we get back from our break we'll talk a little bit more about that and then we'll wrap up this episode guys when you listen to the commercials now i do want to remind you that these aren't just people that solicited us to try to get some airplay or something these are companies that we sought out they're companies that we do business with both personally and professionally um, these are companies that we really believe in because of their integrity and service to local community. So uh, I'd like you to pay attention to the commercials and uh, know that they help make the show possible. And if you're looking to do business with uh, any of these industries, obviously these are some that we believe in. So stick around after this break for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you buy your next home. We promise to close on time, on budget, with no surprises. Give Central Coast Lending a call today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending.
All right, guys, welcome back. You know, I really do like that song. Is that dude? I don't think he's made another song yet, has he? No, he's on the voice note. Probably don't even need to, though. I bet he made a billion dollars off that one song. And then, and now he probably sings it a lot happier, too. (laughs) That's got to feel pretty good. (laughs) I like the song. It's just a good, uplifting song, I think. Uh, The over-under that it's saying at the Super Bowl this year, what do you think? I'm sure. It's got to be, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a huge hit. I'm sure it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. He might even be there. Who knows? You're going to be at the Super Bowl? Uh, No, I wish. (laughs) <laughs> You're big he time. Farrell might be there. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. He's going to probably perform that at the halftime show. I'll bet you. Yeah. Um, oh, I brought I brought this thing that I thought would tie in. I don't know if it will, so I'm just going to tell you. I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, the median down payment for the cheapest 25% of properties sold in 2013 was $9,480. Um, in... 2007 which was they used 2007 just because it was the last year really of like economic expansion Um, and I would say some more uh, still exotic loan programs around there with lower down payments but that same uh, the cheapest 25% of homes in 2007 the down payment then was $6,037 and that figure there of the down payment they're lumping in kind of the cash to close so the cheapest 25% of properties they get into is going to cost you 10,000 bucks. And not a lot of people have 10,000 bucks. And especially if you're only able to earn 20 or 30 or 40,000 bucks a year and you've got um, other mouths to feed, it could take you a lifetime to save 10,000 bucks. Um, do you guys, I, I'm kind of curious too, USDA is 100% financing. So probably for the most part, these people aren't putting much in at the closing of escrow, are they? No, they have to pay their insurance and things like that. Yeah, the prepaid so. items, mm-hmm. taxes and insurance, get that stuff set up. And taxes in our area are pretty huge. Does the assessor levy the taxes on the assessed value of these properties or their um, deeply discounted amount that they're getting them for? They put them at the assessed value. So oftentimes, yeah, they're assessed higher than the cost because in general, there's no resale restrictions. If there is a resale restriction, then the assessor does take that into account and lower the value. Got it. Okay. Yeah, uh, I don't, I know it's too complicated for us to get all the way into, but you mentioned a resale restriction. Oftentimes, there are programs of affordable housing where um, whatever entity, be it the city or county or somebody makes kind of a silent second um, where people would get the house at a more affordable rate. But if they sold it in the next 30 years and um, aren't going to get to walk away with all the profits that they'll end up having to pay back that amount that was the silent second and or oftentimes the um, the agency that that helps make it affordable housing has some first right of refusal on the housing, um, but in people's self-help housing, you're saying that's not the case. No, that is the case. We oh. do a lot of silent um, seconds okay. or down payment loan assistance to get you know, the payments down and affordable. So we do do a lot of that. It doesn't prohibit them from reselling them, but if they sell, they have to pay it back. Then you're going to get the money. Yeah, usually those are 3% interest rates, but um, various jurisdictions, many have shared equity programs. There's a lot out there. And I'd buyers- imagine there's not a lot of people that sell, though, right? It's sort of like the... The sweetheart deal that you were a one in a million to get, so you might as well just ride that train. 
that and in our self-help program they have tremendous pride and they know their neighbors and they generally stay a very long time yeah all right so we keep talking about this they and i understand that john's got a couple of uh, more or less case studies to tell us a little bit about the the kind of people that um, are benefited by people's self-help. I do, uh, Jason. So I, as I mentioned uh, at the break that, you know, we just completed our last project in Aurora Grande, 36 units uh, of multifamily. And so we're moving people in. And so we brought, uh, we'd asked our supportive services department to hey, give us an example of some of the people that are moving in, where they come from. And so that's what I brought today. That's awesome. So, Love um, it. so uh, on, on September 4th, so Thursday, we moved in a gentleman who was in his 70s who had been homeless for over a year and received his keys to his brand new apartment. Uh, several years ago, he moved to the area with his wife when was very ill, she was very ill. They moved here to be closer to their son who provided their emotional and financial support. But about a year later, he lost his wife and his best friend uh, after being married for 50 years. Uh, then at, after less than three months, he also lost his son unexpectedly. That, oh my uh, goodness. And the loss of his son was not only a huge emotional loss to him, but he also lost his his place of residence, and he quickly became homeless. So that was his story. And, and he came to us through the homeless services in the community. Uh, they, they referred him to us, and uh, he was referred to us. And, it, um, and so we, we put him on our waiting list, and, and because of his condition, we moved him up in the waiting list. And uh, so now we've, we've got him back off the street, and he's got a safe home as of uh, the 4th. So wow. kind of an exciting story. And, and um, if there's other stories, but... Uh, we had a we do house someone uh, we had a, a woman that we've been housing for for quite a while in one of our projects in Paso Robles and and our site uh, manager was noticing that there were signs of dementia for her and she was kind of irritating the other tenants and kind of causing a problem uh, in a senior, senior project that we have in Paso Robles she was very concerned so she continued uh, she was locking herself out of her appointment she was losing things and she was going very paranoid about her surroundings. Uh, she's, uh, so this is why we, we provide supportive services because when we have tenants who have these kind of issues, so we try and get in there. And so her safety became a real concern and so our supportive services uh, put that out to many services in the community. Um, her name was Anna and, and we uh, reported that she was nowhere near ready to move into a nursing home. She didn't want to go there. So and in support of service, we, uh, we got her approved so she could have in-home services. We found uh, supportive services in the local community to be able to do that. Uh, they could help come in and help her with household tasks, grocery shopping, cooking, and transportation. And then we also went to her doctor's appointments with her and found out that w there was some medication she could get on for the Alzheimer's and also dealt with the paranoia. So we were actually able to, to take somebody that, you know, is really struggling, doesn't really have supportive uh, family in the, in the area, and work them through the process. So that's a little bit of what we do and, and kind of the, the tenants that we house, the, the 5,000 tenants, and, and, and try and deal with their day-to-day -day issues. Oddly enough, um, it never struck me until just now that there must be a lot of um, uh, elderly people that are in need of your services, uh, that affordable housing. If you're on a fixed income, uh, the customary market rents around here are going to chase you out pretty quick. Yeah, we, we have several elderly sites. I think we have seven to eight sites that are strictly senior sites, and those are, you know, uh, different, as you can say, and that that population, as we know, is aging and growing, and that demand. And uh, we got a project on the, on the docket for Santa Maria, and uh, in fact, we have about 19 projects that are in the in the pipeline uh, through our jurisdictions to to try and deal with seniors, special needs, and and then low income families as well. Wow. Is the is, is the rental program kind of an incubator program for the ownership? 
program? Is that you know we'd like it to be? It's not as much as we'd like it to be. I know we get Cheryl out there all the time trying to do you know uh, information to the tenants and say you know is this something that makes sense for you? Would you like to sort of move along and and, and look, we qualify them for income so we sort of know where their income levels are. Uh, so, uh, but I don't know how successful we really are of, uh, of moving some of those people along. I don't have the stats, but we do see a few every year moving in, into our self-help or onto another home ownership opportunity. But not everyone is meant for home ownership. Some families are not stable. Some are elderly. Uh, you know, there's very different needs and um, residents in our tenants. But we do have maybe five or six a year out of the 5,000 move up. So it does, well, fi there's only 1,500 families. There's 5,000 people. So it's a, a small percent, but we do see it growing in our multifamily housing when um, we when prices are more affordable as they have been the last few years. Yeah. Um, all right. And then you mentioned earlier that you guys have an open house that we is do. worth speaking of. We so, do. Um, we have two open houses, and uh, we're kind of excited about it. So we've been growing, uh, you know, our agency, and so uh, we've grown our local office here from 7,000 square feet to 10, adding staff and really stepping up to, to provide more affordable housing. So, so uh, September 18th, we're going to have a, a grand opening here, across, almost across the street here, and uh, at our uh, employer office, and uh, we'd like to get that out there let people know we're doing that for an open house. And then October 16th, for the project that I mentioned in Aurora Grande, uh, the Cortland Apartments, that will have an actual grand opening and on October 16th, and uh, that should be a pretty, uh, pretty good event as well. And is there any um, opportunities right now for people that are listening that say, hey, I'm going to come bend some nails and make some sawdust out there on one of those job sites? Okay, we're building in Atascadero now, which is the only one in San Luis County, our other um, self-help developments in Los Alamos. Uh, but yeah, we're out there every weekend, and if people want to come during the week, just give me a call. You could call our main number at 805-781-3088 and say you want to volunteer. Or if you'd like to get on our interest list to build a house, say that. We'll get you on our interest list. Uh, one Another event we have coming up on the home ownership side, it, um, we're working with Grid Alternatives, and they're having a solar-thon at our Atascadero site, and they're going to be installing um, solar on three homes that day. Wow. So it's a good chance if you want to come out, see what's going on with both our organizations. We'll have 12 homes that are nearly completed, so you could kind of check those out. And we have three projects on the docket for Cheryl's also in San Miguel, which you mentioned, and Atascadero. And then we just acquired some lots in Los Osos. So people yeah. who are interested in those kind of areas should visit us. Are you able to build in Los Osos right now? Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to wait until the water's available. Yeah. We hope that happens just by 2016. The yeah, it is. it is. Keeping our fingers crossed. That's, a, that's about how long the planning process takes, right? Uh, just about, <laughs> just about. You'll be ready to build as soon as the sewer's all, all done. Well, our first development, our first self-help development was in Los Osos. Oh, cool. 35 or so years ago, so. And we have an extra lot that's attached to that, that actually when the sewer is available, we could actually build another site there as well that just wasn't available, so. Is that going to be multifamily? That'll be multifamily. Yeah. So, John, you're the... You're the new president and CEO. I am. The the woman that you're replacing was was in charge for 44 years. 44 years. That's a long time. So, 
are there changes on the horizon now that now that you're in charge? Do you have a different vision, or you know, what, what's the future hold for people's self help? You know, one of the things that and it was Jeanette Duncan, uh, who who obviously set this all in motion and started out with just her and a secretary and a couple people, and, and now as we mentioned, we're 160 people and yeah. over 200 miles. So, so uh, we did a strategic plan before she retired, and and uh, a five year strategic plan because we wanted to make sure she wanted to make sure that we continue to meet our mission and we stayed true to who we were. So, you know, my goal is to not mess it up you know and uh and to continue that great legacy and, and really foundation that she put in place so uh maybe more so you know even just as i mentioned we have you know several projects on the docket here and we're looking to make a bigger impact in the communities and 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 grow our lines of business and our look at the funding sources and just uh, continue to look at you know, what we can do. So, so my vision is really just to continue what we have been very successful at doing and uh, and grow it. Good. <laughs> oh man, we're running out of time. We've only got a few minutes to go. Um, you know, I want to. I'll take a couple minutes here just because we're in the wrap-up version of the show. I want to remind all of our listeners that um, Central Coast Lending does this radio show, and it's Dan and I. We're the two owners of the company. Um, we come out most every Saturday. Uh, I know lately there's been a couple of uh, reruns done, but we're here quite a bit, and. Um, the goal is just to to have a place where we can have conversations like this, um, you know, things related to housing. But, you know, the broader perspective is just things that make our county a better place to be. Um, when we decided to do this radio show years ago, we decided that uh, one of the, the best opportunities that we have is to have a forum like this to share our expertise in uh, hopes of just having a more educated and, and savvy consumer around. Um, I don't, I, I'm not threatened by that at all. So it's, it's, uh, it's really a, a thrill to be able to do this and to have guests on. Um, if you guys have any loan needs at all, um, if you want to call and, and talk about, like I said earlier in the show about getting rid of your FHA loan or your mortgage insurance, um, if you're looking to get pre-qualified, I would imagine there's some people that come out for people self-help housing and found out they made too much money. Um, those people can come on over to us. We will pick up where they left off. The USDA loan for us, um, for a family of four is up to $86,500. I think dollars That's a lot of money you could make, uh, in, um, still be qualified for this USDA hundred percent program. And for a five to eight person household, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of $114,000 annual income. Yeah. So. If uh, there's a loan need at all, we'd love to hear from you guys. can find us on the web. We're at centralcoastlending.com. Um, if you want to call in and just get a live body to talk to, to get help, um, you can. We have uh, one phone number rings all of our offices. It's 543-LOAN. Um, you know, generally we're around just to give counsel. If you are... Um, thinking of making an investment purchase or, you know, and wanting to talk about what that looks like, the ins and outs of that. Um, oftentimes we have people that are looking to finally buy that lake home or that oceanfront property to use as their second home. We help those people too. Um, and, you know, the majority of our business is just helping the good, hardworking, working class um, find shelter for themselves and their families. So we'd, we'd love to hear from you guys if you have any loan needs at all centralcoastlending.com or 543-LOAN. And if you guys would, please take a minute here to, to share your contact information again. Our website was www.pshc.org 
Our main line is 805-781-3088. And remind us about that open house one more time. Yeah, so we have uh, October 16th, uh, we have an open house for our latest project in Aurora Grande, Cortland Apartments. So love to see you. And you had a, a fundraiser or something coming up as well. Well, we have a grand, op- we have a an op- uh, reopening of our corporate office here uh, on uh, September 18th. There we go. And uh, that's across the street, as we mentioned, on Amplero. So uh, we're looking forward to that. And, and we basically have been able to pull a, a lot of our service departments back into our, our corporate headquarters and be able to connect a little bit better. So we're excited about that. And uh, we haven't done that uh, for some time. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you guys for taking the time out to come in today. Um, we appreciate it. it. Makes radio more interesting, and and I can only hope that um, somebody that's listening today, um, even hearing the stories about the kind of people that have been helped, um, it the circumstances where people end up homeless is is pretty fascinating and and honestly humbling when you hear some of those stories. It can happen to anybody. So um, I hope that somebody out there um, hears this message today and is able to tell them to call us to get your contact information or to call you guys and, and start to figure out how to make it happen. Having Angie call in and share that story really puts a face to it. So thank you uh, for doing what you do and for coming in today to share it. Thank you. All right, everybody, we'll be back next week. We got another fresh episode. Remember, uh, we're on from 9 to 11 now. So those of you that tuned in at 10, you're late. Have a great one. We'll be back next week for more Mortgage Matters.